Well, welcome back to the Building Peace Initiative. This is John Van Bladel at youwantapieceofmeonline.com. And today, we're going to be talking about Waiting for the Messiah. That's the name of our podcast. But before we begin this one, let me begin with an invitation to breathe together. So if you've listened to this in the past, you know that I'll invite the bell. We'll breathe in and out three times together, and then I will continue talking. So let's try that now. Three breaths at a normal rate, in and out. And again, that helps me slow down a bit and helps perhaps whatever I've said to sink in a bit so you can consider it. All right, so this is going to be a bit of a complicated one today, so I'll try and keep my focus and make it a bit more coherent for you. But last week I spoke, um, the podcast was What If, or If Only, and uh, we talked about the bystander effect or diffusion of responsibility, basically why people stand around and don't do much when somebody's in trouble or something's going on that needs to be addressed. Now today we're going to focus a bit more deeply on societal factors and also psychological factors that lead to an action and how to counter them. Now we'll begin with you have a lot of intergenerational inertia to address. Um, For millennia you've been taught to behave or believe in a certain way and last week I talked about how we were basically raised and socialized to follow. So this presents what I call a psychological undertow. And you'll say, well, what's a psych undertow? He said that last week, but didn't say much about it. Well, I'll explain it a little bit more this week. I use the ocean as an example. If you've never been to the ocean, go, (laughs) because it's a beautiful body of water to be in. So if you should go to the ocean, or have you been in the ocean, you spent maybe about 20 minutes in it, enjoying the water, the whole environment, sort of just being engaged in the experience Then perhaps you got a little chilly, and when you got out of the water to walk back up the beach to find your towel, I mean directly out of the water, looking back where you think your towel is, you may have noticed you can't find your towels. Where have they gone? Has someone taken them? What happened? They actually are still there. It's you that have moved. So while you're in the water, a barely perceptible undertow has pulled you up or down the beach. You are now maybe about a hundred feet or so from where you had went into the water. Okay, and this is an Atlantic Ocean experience on Far Island down on Long Island, which is very common. So this is a good analogy for us to understand what happens when we try and change our thinking habits. Our habits are an undertow. Our brains are used to functioning in a certain way. We're literally wired The brain is actually physically structured through repetition to respond to stimuli reflexively. We encounter a stimulus, the neurons fire along well-worn pathways, and the dominoes begin to fall. But the good news is we can rewire our our brains. That's, God, you say brains sometimes. I wonder what that's a combination of, but brains. uh, That's known as neuroplasticity for those of you who like to impress people. But it requires awareness and a consistent effort so we don't keep getting dragged down the beach. It is so easy to return to habitual ways of thinking, particularly if we're living in an environment that supports those older ways of thinking. 
Now, psychologically, there's, these are also called automatic thoughts, mental formations, I mentioned schemas, and once they're established, they're hard to change. Um, one example um, is that many believe people on public assistance or Medicaid are lazy and could work if they're motivated to do so. Well, I'm sure there's some out there who may fit that bill, but most, no, that's not the case, and most people are not on Medicaid forever. Last average was three to five years, although since COVID, that may have changed a bit. Um, But they are what some call deserving, which is a term I will not use, because deserving and undeserving are judgmental terms and set up all kinds of um, rhetoric that begins around that. So it's elderly, children, people who have bona fide uh, disabilities. I could give you all the information in the world. I have my little social book here. I could just read from it to you. And if you do not believe that, if you're not open to hearing it, you will not change your thinking. Facts do not change beliefs sometimes. What does? Well, empathy and connection and trying not to convince people of things. So I'm going to move on a little bit now into another troubling type of distortion that's called false consciousness. Now, this will be fun. Uh, False consciousness really comes from ideological positions that lead to cognitive distortions that really are not consistent with reality. You've heard the old saying, what is it? Perception is reality? I would challenge that because if I drop a pen here, I'm going to drop one, and you say, oh, little invisible gremlins pulled it down to the table. You could think that, but gravity is really the solution. But who knows what we'll find out in the future, right? Um, So, false consciousness, the example uses the American dream. A house, two cars, uh, let's see, a family, leisure time. uh, And a lot of people have been led to believe, well, yeah, this is the American dream. But it's not achievable for some. It's not achievable for more and more. And the false consciousness says somehow there's a flaw with you that you must not be working hard enough despite the two jobs that you're working. Or... That someone else, usually a marginalized groups, is preventing you from achieving your goals. Uh, often that has been immigrants who've been scapegoated uh, throughout time, and particularly for the last 10 years, let's say. So you start to believe that the flaw is within you, not the social structures created by those in power that have been created so that they can maintain their powerful positions. Now, blaming minorities helps to deflect you from the fact that you, in essence, are being manipulated by those who are in power. Now, normally what happens is we find minority groups towards which we deflect the blame. And if you've not figured it out, this has worked well for millennia when it comes to keeping elites in power. Now, hold on. Take a breath. Marx... Oh, no, not him. You're a Marxist. Well, no, I'm not. I've read Karl Marx because I took sociology, amongst other things. Um, And because you've read him does not make you a socialist. But just beware. The minute you say that word, you will get labeled a socialist. And some people will stop listening. So, the reason I bring him up is he talked about false consciousness as a product of an unequal social system controlled by a powerful minority of elites. Um, now, again, the Marx word, just breathe, be aware of your feelings, and listen for a bit, because you know the next term is going to be socialism. Uh, keep it in your memory so you can decide if it makes more sense as the information emerges. Yikes. 
next thing you know, I'll be woke. Oh my gosh, one of these days we'll do a podcast on woke and exactly what that means. Another example of how people have been silenced, and again, we silence people by calling them radicals and attaching labels to them. Uh, Another example of how people have been silenced is by making them feel inadequate. Now, Desmond Tutu explained this concisely. He said one of the worst things about apartheid was that it made you feel as though you were not a child of God. In essence, that you were unworthy and deserved second-class treatment. That there was a general badness about you. Now, Desmond Tutu, if you don't know about him, he worked with Nelson Mandela to end apartheid and also through the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, which are a fascinating um, process that also occurred in Rwanda with him helping out. So take a look at them one day. So this sense of internalized second-class status has held back people from demanding the rights they're entitled to because you're not deserved, you're undeserving. These God-given rights that were interpreted as only available by the privileged to the privileged. Now, women, blacks, LGBTQIA, and so many others whose identities are defined as less than have struggled with our social systems, prejudice, discrimination, and racism that prevent them from realizing their potential. So I hope that this dynamic is starting to come uh, into reality for you because it has a lot to do with our inability to stand up and say, wait a minute, I have a right and I'm not asking you for these rights. These rights are guaranteed me by the Constitution, by the UN Declaration of Human Rights, uh, by whatever text or whatever document that uh, you want to cite. But the rights are not an option. They are a right. Now, I touched a little on the divine right of kings um, in the last podcast, and it's really a significant contributor to inequality. Um, Some people in positions of power associate themselves with the divine, either claiming they are operating under their direction, God told them to do something, or that they somehow have superior knowledge about what she desires for all of us. I snuck the she in there. Um, So since they derive their authority from God, they cannot be held accountable for their actions by mere commoners, like you and I. Now you can believe that if you choose, but I would like to see some clear evidence of the claim, or at least a well-done deepfake. Um, Hey, With all this information about artificial intelligence, um, will it become God? You should read the last question by Isaac Asimov uh, and see what you think. But we have been trained to follow this for millennia. We're always looking for someone. Someone or something is going to lead us out of whatever suffering we may have been experiencing into a better world. A messiah, a president, a leader of a country. I'm not so sure that's true. Uh, we have had leaders but we, who've done some really positive things in the realm of compassion and human rights, but some really negative things, too, that managed to get people to follow them. So we're highly susceptible to what Harry Frankfurt, a moral philosopher from Princeton University, would call bullshit. Now, I can say that. The book's not banned yet, although it might be somewhere. Uh, even that, I would talk about it. But it's a small book. Take a look at it one day. And he really talks about what boils down to um, mis- and disinformation. Hey, have I mentioned how I think that if there is a hell, it's going to be a really crowded place? Now, to hedge my bets, 
I've sent them my resume or my curriculum vitae for those of you who are, um, well, self-important. Uh, could you imagine arriving there seeing me as the concierge? Hey, good to see you again. I'm here to direct you to your accommodations to tell you where to go. Now, see, that's a little fantasy that came through my head one day. And I can be judgmental, too, and apparently want some type of gratification over those who I believe have harmed me. But that's why I breathe. I see myself in them. Remember, judge not lest ye be judged. Rather than judging, seek to understand. And remember... Revenge never makes a situation better. It may feel like it in the short term, but not in the long run. So you may ask, what does all this have to do with compassion? Well, the mechanisms that are in place for disabling empathy and separating us from the reality of our interdependence are very effective and we need to be aware of them. Okay. Second, when topics evoke strong reactions on some centrally held beliefs we have, whether they're accurate or not, accurate or not, it gets us into fight flight survival mode and we cannot see clearly our misunderstanding of the world and then our actions become fear based. So maintaining power is a lot of what is behind the anti-diversity, anti-awareness, anti-education, anti-environment, anti-peace movements are all about. It's about the old story of divide and conquer. Once you start to understand that we construct socially, socially unequal groups or inequalities, then you can start to look at the fact that they're constructed by people for some very specific reasons, not the divine. Once you understand this, you're more likely to take action. Now, educated people can be a real problem for some in power, and we're seeing a lot of that anti-education rhetoric really uh, starting to pick up steam. So if we apply mindfulness and calm our minds and our bodies, we have more of a chance of engaging those critical thinking skills finding the truth, and coming up with life-affirming responses. Now, if you want to adopt the position of a social Darwinist, well, then you adopt the position of a social Darwinist, but at least you've thought it through. Um, you know, I've said clearly I'm not a, I oppose the death penalty because I'm not, I'm not, accept, I'm not willing to accept even one oops. If you say you oppose the death penalty because it deters capital crime, you'd be wrong. If you say you, you oppose it, because of an eye for an eye, that's a bit of a different discussion. All right, so at least know, have some facts, have some accurate information before you make some decisions. So I'm going to end today with one of the discussions I had in a class some time ago. We're on the topic of religion. It's a section that we cover. It's always an interesting one, especially when we have uh, so many monotheists in the room. And I asked them to consider who they thought the Messiah would be because apparently the Messiah is supposed to show up and deliver all of you. In the meantime, you may want to work to improve the world on your own. But I told him I knew who the Messiah was going to be. But I let them think about it, see if they could figure it out. And at the end of the class, if they couldn't figure out, I would tell them. Uh, I stopped short of saying God told told me. You know, it's funny. I, 
sometimes I'll go into class and I'll say, well, why do you teach these classes? I say, well, God told me to. And everyone gets very uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, well, how many people tell you that God told them to do something and right away you're sending them money? Me, you just get uncomfortable. I must not have charisma. And by the way, nobody came and told me to do this. It just seemed like the right thing to do. <sighs> so at the end of the class, I asked them for their thoughts. And the people they chose ran, uh, ran from Alanis Morissette to me, uh, to some other people I won't mention. And I then provided them with something to consider. What if it's not one person? What if it's a collective effort driven by our common humanity? Ooh, hear that one? All right. So it gets better. I was reading a book, One Buddha is Not Enough, by Thich Nhat Hanh, who basically said, well, we need many Buddhas. And there are some people in the uh, spiritual and religious world who said, it's not going to be one person, it's going to be all of us. And I thought this first. Um, but hey, I just want to take credit for it. I should have patented it. Maybe I could have made a hat. You know. So it's not, it's not likely, capitalist that I am, it's not likely that any one person is going to lead us to a better world. Uh, it's up to each of us to make a commitment to a more just and equitable world. And most of us know what we need or want to do. We just need to start or continue to do what we're doing. So use an informed, assertive, compassionate approach. Start now. And whether you're secular or non-secular, you can use the sense or you can use the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Make it the norm. Make your interactions compassion-based, and when you need to, step up and assert yourself because you have rights just like anybody else does. So next time, oh, till next time, I'll give you a little bit of a mantra from the world of the meta-meditation, not meta-Facebook. This is with two Ts. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. May you be filled with peace and compassion for yourself and others, and may you stand up for yourself and others who don't have a voice.